Welcome to the Utah Podcapalians, a podcast of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah, a look at our unique church in this unique land of Utah. I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese, and you know, today we have a lot to talk about. As a church, as a nation, we are re-examining a difficult chapter in our history, that of what we call the Indian schools. We're re-examining one of the most inhumane events of our country's history, the entire reservation system and the genocide of a people. And even if we look more closely, as I was thinking about this topic, the cultural insensitivity and disturbing treatment of a people that in what we called, uh, those of us from the 50s might remember, cowboy and Indian films, stories, and even the games that many of us played, all that need to be re-examined. Well, to do all this, we have two tremendous guests today. We're honored to have the Ute elder, Forrest Kutch, who is retired tribal executive, and uh, many of us remember as the former state director of Indian Affairs. We are so lucky in the Episcopal Church because he's been a beloved leader of our St. Elizabeth's Church in White Rocks. And the Reverend Michael Carney, who's the vicar of St. Elizabeth's, who has also done much to bring back some of the great organizational partnerships with various people from our churches throughout the entire country. And right now we have some exciting news. Both are co-authors of a brand new book. And when I say brand new, it's brand new. It's called A Native Way of Giving. So an awful lot to talk about. And let's get right to it. You know, it seems that we have tiptoed around this topic of indigenous people, which is the way that it was put in a recent um, uh, live stream that was done by the entire Episcopal Church. And what can we do? How do we undo so much? How do we, we come to what you have uh, fondly called the native way of giving? In your book, you call for fresh voices. What else can we do? What's a good starting point as we do all of this reexamination of these topics and many more? Yeah. And I think um, at the base of it all has been this um, issue of misinformation. Uh, it begins with the uh, inaccurate history uh, we give our students in school. And so, um, because no one has challenged the information for a long time, um, it becomes um, uh, kind of, it becomes a myth. The, the, the first meeting uh, between Columbus and the Taino Indians is really, um, completely uh, um, misinterpreted. Um, and it, it is it's completely misses the point that you had two different um, worldviews coming together. And on one side, you had the European mindset that was very uh, linear, um, uh, scientific, capitalistic, and then the Indian worldview which was uh, socialistic, uh, holistic, and um, spiritual. And we've never really gotten to know each other. So consequently, 
uh, it's a superficial relationship, as you referred to, Craig. And I think that after 500 some years, um, we need to overcome the dehumanization because that's what happened in that first meeting. There was a judgment made. These are inferior, inhumane people. They're not Christian. Therefore, um, we can take whatever we wish and exploit them. Consequently, this has continued up to the present time. And the sad thing is that some of the virtues the Indian people um, espoused at that time, I believe they could be very beneficial to our nation at this time. Uh, we're dehumanizing one another. We've become greedy, materialistic, and exploitive and disrespectful, not only of one another, but of the earth. Consequently, we, we find ourselves becoming uncivilized, becoming violent, uh, vitrolic, and, and, and we find ourselves in a bad place. Definitely, and in your book, you, you bring that, uh, I think, to attention. And of course, since the book, as we're recording this, isn't quite on the shelf yet. I've had to go on your uh, reviews and some of the uh, things that um, have been said about it, but it strikes me that what you have just said shows us that really, instead of everybody in all of our institutions trying to come up with what's the solution that you and um, uh, both of you have kind of outlined that in the book that is look at the native way of giving the title of how you have seen this approach and um, maybe take a look at gee what how the native people the native communities observed the earth and took care of our earth and maybe this is a good way to go if i could uh follow up on what you were saying Forrest, one of the things we need to do so badly today is listen to each other's stories and uh, it's one of the great privileges i have in serving at saint elizabeth's and living on the reservation over time and it's a slow process getting to know people, gaining trust. I've been blessed to hear so many inspiring stories of uh, the faithful leaders of this community. They're not always obvious, you know, they don't all have positions and offices, but uh, the heart of the youth community begins to be revealed in these stories. And uh, uh, that's such a blessing. And I think it's it's one of the gifts of the book. It was one of the gifts for me in working with you, Forrest, is that there are so many great stories that you contributed to this. Um, so uh, that's, I really appreciate that. I'd also like to say that, so um, on the subject of misinformation, um, there is a misconception that I, it's never spoken, but I think it's kind of widely uh, accepted that Native Americans are, are people from the past and that ever since Wounded Knee uh, more than a hundred years ago, they've, they've not really been a part of the American community. Well, there are millions of the indigenous people of North America living in the United States. They have vibrant communities. 
They have a depth of spirituality and they have so much to contribute to our world. Um, well, uh, a, uh, a young adult I know who's a student at the University of Utah told us that in one of her classes, uh, a classmate announced to the class that there were no more Indians in Utah. And uh, apparently they assumed that she was Mexican-American, right? Because uh, just judging by the color of her skin or something. And, uh, you know, she wasn't in a position to put them right. But I'm grateful that in our book, we can begin to um, reveal the vibrancy of, uh, of the Native community today and the ways in which... Uh, I, I'll say that for myself, I've been inspired by so many of the youth people. And again, that's um, an interesting thing about your book that so many of the subjects today, and particularly when we look at the, uh, what we call the Indian schools, and we look at a lot that's, it's easy to identify the problems. It's easy to identify all the harms and the terrible things. Now, what do we do? And I think in your book, um, you both you give a almost a, a roadmap for a way forward, and that's to look at the way that the native communities have responded. Which is, uh, if you talk about the word Christian, good heavens, to look and to look for a solution to five hundred years of uh, problems. Um, how do you sum up that solution in, in the Native way of giving? Um, well, I think, um, first of all, I want to, I want to um, follow up on what Father Michael said about dialogue. I think that's the key. Uh, that is the first step. Um, for so long, what happened is the dominant culture always looked at the Indian culture from, from the point of view of objects or accoutrement. Um, you know, the, the clothing, the feathers, uh, things on the outside, and never looked into the belief system because the, it was always colored with the idea that, well, they're not real human beings. They don't really have a soul, nor do they have a culture that contributes to anything good. So therefore, we can just brush, brush them off. And um, as... Father Michael said, we need to, we need to listen and we need to, to establish a dialogue. And when it comes to race relations, um, it's going to challenge us to, the, to our core. And so therefore, people have to become disciplined to stay at the table. In other words, let's sit down and talk. And we're going to offend each other one way or the other at some point. But let's just agree to stay at the table. If we get upset, we'll walk away for a while, cool off, but always come back to the table. That's the key. Because only then can the stories that Father mentioned get put across in a way that it's meaningful so that the dominant folks can say, well, you know, a lot of people, Native people, do value generosity. It's their number one value. And maybe if we were to take that value and incorporate that into our daily lives more, it's not that the dominant culture did not give. 
we have plenty of folks that give. It's just that we need to broaden it to apply to our everyday culture. And, and, and it might ha just have an effect on, on the level of greed we see in our country today. You mentioned the status quo that um, there's a desire, I think, to keep the status quo among the dominant culture. Um, how do you break that? How, and, and maybe, uh, Father Carney, you would have an idea on that because you obviously coming to uh, the church, coming to St. Elizabeth's, I know you have often talked about a transformation of ideas and how it's affected. So obviously you saw how in your heart and in your mind, you could break that status quo. What about for the rest of us who perhaps haven't had that experience and haven't um, haven't seen that and felt it as you have on breaking that status quo, which I think um, uh, you know our youth elder Forrest Kutch has um, eloquently talked about here. Well, as Forrest has said, in in many ways the the dominant culture is already broken. Uh, so there, um, many of us recognize a world in crisis and um, maybe that opens us up a little more. Maybe the urgency of the times um, makes us a little more willing to, uh, uh, to listen better, to take a risk, uh, to uh, uh, take those first steps. Um, I've been living here with my wife on the reservation for five years and uh, there's no mistaking the the problems in this community. You know, there's there's a lot of poverty and alcohol and drug addiction, family troubles. I mean, it's uh, I I would never want to minimize that because there's a lot of disruption and suffering. But spending time here, listening, trying to be helpful. Uh, draws me deeper into the resilience and the spiritual foundations of the youth people. And uh, for <laughs> this book came out of many, many hours of sitting around our kitchen tables chatting. Forrest and I love to do that. Um, <laughs> it's been going on for years, you know. And uh, really, Forrest, the place you brought me to that is the first building block of the native way that a native way, not the only native way, a native way is gratitude. And that seems like such a simple thing, but you know, as a middle-class white American, boy, there's so much I've taken for granted. And uh, Forrest, you've talked particularly about your, your mentor, the Sundance chief Jensen Jack, you, uh, I, I wish I could have known him. What an, what an inspiring man he must have been. Well, let's talk about that because um, this is our chance to sit around that kitchen table, which you've done for five years. We have 30 minutes, but uh, in that, um, let's, let's talk about uh, certainly a mentor because we're looking for mentors today. We, we, we definitely are. I think if there's anything that we, we learned from the, 
the uh, live stream that was done by tech is we need mentors, we need those examples, we need the people to lead us out of this crisis that you talk about. So let's hear about your, your mentor and um, kind of what, what happened there so that we, we get that experience, we get that wisdom. First of all, I wanna say it goes back to this, the judgment. What, what often happens is, well, the Indian people are just very simple people. Uh, they're not sophisticated. Uh, they don't really have too much to offer. Um, it, it's interesting that when I first met Jensen, um, he didn't come introduce himself. He, he came and attended an education meeting when I was education director. And he sat way in the back. And so I, I was kind of intimidated by that because I knew he was a traditional leader. But I, I just presented my material and I, I always was respectful of traditional culture. I basically said, uh, we need to take the best of both worlds. I've always had that philosophy. We cannot trash out traditional Indian belief systems because they have something great to offer. Uh, the dominant culture doesn't have all the answers, that's for sure. But they do, do have some good ideas. So anyway, I'll give you an example. Sometimes Jensen would come into my office and I would be terribly busy with a deadline. And I'm just intent working so hard to get this done before um, I, I missed the deadline. And he would walk in and stand at the doorway and laugh at me. I would look up and say, oh, Jensen. And I wouldn't show the expression, but I was saying, oh, God, not right now, Jensen. This is not a good time. He would laugh at me, and then he would come and sit down. He'd pull a chair up, sit down at the desk, and he would tell me a story. So I, was, I respected him too much to go on or say anything. I'd push away my work, and I would listen. And by and large, by the time he finished... I was so relaxed, I could really focus. And, and he, he would get up and he would walk to the door and look back at me and he would laugh at me and then walk out again. And today I've come to understand that he, he saw that I was um, scattered when he came in and I was under intense pressure. Um, and, and what he did is he, he helped me to refocus. And after he, left, I was able to quickly focus on my work and get it done better than I would have had he not shown up. And so this is an example where I myself violated uh, the rule of respect by judging him. Oh, this simple man, he doesn't understand how busy I am. If he would just go away, and when, in fact, he blessed me with this wonderful um, healthy uh, reconnection with, with reality. You have some wonderful quotes from Jensen um, in the book. Uh, you, you go to church and pray on Sunday. Me, I give thanks all day, every day. Wake up, give thanks. Drink water, give thanks. Eat food, give thanks. That's my church. You know, in the book, we talk about a life-giving cycle that begins with gratitude, 
And if we really focus ourselves around gratitude, we naturally become more generous. <laughs> and when we're in a community of people who are generous, that leads to a sense of abundance. Because when one person has a need, another person supplies it. And again, in the book, Forest, you have some wonderful stories. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that. So when, you, when a community of people develops a sense of abundance, it makes you grateful. Mm -hmm. Do you see how the cycle reinforces itself? And, and ironically, the way you illustrated this, Forrest, is going back to the horrible beginnings of our reservation when bands of Ute people were forcibly removed from the Salt Lake Valley, from two areas of Western Colorado, forced to come here to uh, a high desert place that was much less fertile than where they had been before, uh, crammed together with people who were, you know, they were connected with, but they had never been a community together. Um, and Forrest, you talked about when they first came here, how they took care of each other. Yes. You know, and if I can interrupt for a second, it really sounds like you're reading the gospel there. I mean, in many ways, it's it's what we aspire to at at our churches. And sometimes I guess it, it strikes me that it's looking at that person next to us and looking for that wisdom there and and certainly uh, you you have identified that that it was looking as uh, the gentleman who comes into the room and focuses you but does it because of love and respect for you um i i just think that i i hope this book becomes required reading in our churches but also among our people it just um, you you are certainly telling us what we need to know um and and a couple things that of course as we've talked about and and we can't solve in in a few remaining minutes but we have now looked at seriously at the say the indian schools we've looked at and certainly there's a church i assume in upcoming conventions, there'll be resolutions, and there'll be some uh, offerings there. We certainly, even again today, when the entire country was focused on one missing person, and then we look at the thousands who have been missing from reservations, and we go, why haven't we examined that and looked at, is change possible? And I know that's part of one of the themes of your book. Is it possible that we can really make some concrete changes in our lifetime, in our conventions, in our church? Sure. I think what happens, Craig, is that when we pile all, accumulate all this wealth in our banks and in our homes and uh, boats, cars, all this stuff, what happens is we stop looking at each other as human beings, because we're so busy trying to consume and gobble up the world. And in a way, 
the dominant culture has even dehumanized other folks. Even they, 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 it's like wealth is the God. We've replaced God the Father with accumulated wealth, money. And consequently, we've lost connection with not only God, but with each other. Consequently, we don't reach out and, and, and care for one another anymore. And that, that's at the root of the problem. And when it comes to the gospel, God the Father always said, every person is important, right? Every soul, every last one, what you do to the little children, you do to me. We have lost contact with that. And that is one of the most basic uh, foundation principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing to hope that after we read A Native Way of Giving, that we put that book down and we tell somebody, I just read a fascinating book. It's about this and what would be that sentence. It's about what we must do without this. What would be that sentence or two that you hope is the first thing out of somebody's mouth as they tell another after they've just read A Native Way of Giving? Well, Father Michael gave a sermon this weekend, and he, when Jesus uh, uh, spoke to, the, uh, to this uh, young man who was very, very wealthy, he said, what must I do to, to get to heaven? He said, give it all away and follow me, and he couldn't do it. So I think that's one of the things. Folks might not have to give away everything, but they need to give away enough that they come to recognize God in each every, in every one of us. I'd, I'd say that uh, new life is possible. That's the promise of Jesus. That's the uh, en enacted message of Jesus. And na the native, a native way can help us to see that gratitude is a starting point and generosity. And focusing more on the blessings that we have individually and as a community than the things we want that we think are scarce. Focus on our blessings. Focus on the abundance of wonderful people around us. Um, the, uh, in, in, White, in the White Rocks community, the great-grandmothers who are raising their great-grandchildren. And uh, wow, I mean, Christ at work, they may or may not be explicitly followers of Jesus, but boy, they're, they're aligned with the gospel message. And, and I think all of us, if we can step back in every community, we see people like that who are unheralded, maybe don't have important positions or anything, but their lives are inspiring. What can we do as a church? I know we're coming up on a general convention. There will be resolution after resolution, I'm sure. Uh, how many will be just talking? How many will be action? 
but what can we do as a church locally in Utah, as the Diocese of Utah, as a church uh, collectively uh, in the United States and worldwide, what can we do that will bring us closer to the gratitude to a native way of giving? Well, <clears throat> some of us have been charged with giving this presentation uh, on the doctrine of discovery and um, educating people to the uh, indigenous culture and belief system. That's one thing, to educate. The next is to begin dialogues in, the, in our parishes uh, to get to know one another. And then again, stay at the table and uh, keep the faith. Um, I think um, one of the things Father shared in the sermon this weekend also was that all things are possible in Christ. And we have to remember that, that as we reach out, it's going to, the way to improve uh, relations, not only in race, but in political parties, is you have to reach out with love. And that's a hard thing to do. And so that's the key, is to, is to reach out uh, in faith, knowing that all, all things are possible uh, through Christ. I, I would encourage other middle-class white people like myself to look around, um, important members and whole groups of people in our communities have been overlooked. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, begin to notice, beginning to notice the people in the shadows, the people who are not marching down the middle of Main Street uh, is a place to begin. I have found it very helpful to recognize bridge people. Now, typically when we talk about bridge people, they'll point to someone like me. I'm a white person living on the reservation. If you wanted to get to know some Indian people, you could talk to Michael and he could introduce you. I mean, if I can be helpful that way, I'm, I'm grateful to do it. But people like Forrest, or people like my Nigerian friend, Arthur Metu, or my Liberian friend, Julia Cassell, um, people of col color who have, who, who, with whom I've become friends and who've invited me into connections with people outside my usual circle, my comfort zone who've helped reorient me when I get off track, who've been available for me to go and say, I don't understand what just happened here. How many times have I done that for us? I mean, uh, and I'm just so grateful to have a, a safe relationship in which I'm willing to be that vulnerable to say, God, I just don't get it. And, uh, the church for me has been an incredible blessing. It has brought me into communities that I would never have been part of. And we do have that potential. Nationwide, we are 85% white. So you know, we're gonna have to make a little bit of an effort here to, uh, to break out of our, uh, our, uh, the, our track that we're running down, you know, but that's good practice because 
the world needs to break out of its tracks. We are, we are in crisis, you know, and if taking baby steps to improve our race relationships, to learn more, to make new friends and, and uh, 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 have our, 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 the, our picture of the world expanded, that might just help us when it comes to working together to uh, uh, care for creation and uh, uh, respond to the, the problems with the climate. Uh, in, the, in the real estate world, they say location, 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 right? Ah. Well, in the getting to know indigenous people, I would have to say, number one, educate, educate, educate and talk, 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 get to know each other, stay at the table, 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 that, and that, uh, yeah. stop judging. That stay at the table is what's gonna resonate with me. I, I mean, there's been so much in this conversation, but because I know often we sit at the table and then that's it and we don't come back. But one that I also wonder, and it's, it's almost hard to put it this way. And that is when we get together and particularly with indigenous people, often, and it goes back to something you said for us that um, we look at, okay, there might be a, some drums, there might be uh, the regalia and all that. And then we don't talk. You know, we, it's sort of like we're going to invite uh, for conventions. And I've been at conventions in the Episcopal Church where, okay, now we'll have uh, some drums and some wonderful dancing and regalias. And by God, we don't talk. We just watch. We watch a wonderful, beautiful, tremendous performance. But I don't know anything more about the people who I have watched than listening to them drum is, I, I feel that I've been very wrong or I've missed a lot that way. Do you agree with that? Well, it's very, actually, it's quite insulting because basically it's, it's like bring in the Indians to perform. Oh, great, wonderful, bye. Yeah, no, <laughs> so I mean. We're a source of entertainment only. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know how else to put that, but it has been at times, that's what it is. So would you agree, uh, Father Carney, with that? That oh, often yeah. that is the... And, and, you know, it's often very uncomfortable for white people. I mean, it is for me. I've been in plenty of uncomfortable situations. And uh, I'm blessed by having been invited here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, um, let me, I, I have a couple of thoughts. One is um, something that we did a series of times earlier this year is a group of us white priests who are leading congregations got together monthly to talk about our experiences of being white. Now that was an interesting place to begin. That was really quite interesting. We took turns uh, telling a story that brought up stuff for everybody. It was quite interesting. Um, 
Another thing, I had an experience recently just uh, checking out a possible anti-racism program uh, with a Latino colleague. And uh, the presenter suggested a question, um, tell about the first significant encounter you had with a person of another race. Now, I grew up in Iowa. The first story I can remember is when I was a sophomore in high school. Seriously, a sophomore in high school. And I remember it quite well. And I told the story. My friend did not laugh at me. But he said, Michael, it's all my life. I can't tell you the first memory. It's all my life. And just in that moment, just that little interaction, it's like, whoa, I kind of knew that, but see, a, a helpful question. We shared our stories. My world got expanded. Again, the book is a native way of giving and do find it. And uh, if you have an opportunity to ever be at the table with Forrest Kutch or with Michael Carney or both, uh, stay at the table. That's our word of the day. And we thank you so much for listening to the Utah Episcopalians. A look at the Episcopal Diocese of Utah and our unique church in our unique land. And thank you so much for an inspirational uh, discussion 